Please take your Bibles and uh, open them to Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Of course, as is our custom, uh, we celebrate the uh, Lord's Supper, uh, the first Sunday of every month. And uh, isn't it hard to believe we have hit December already? And we're as close to Christmas as uh, as we are. And, you know, often when we uh, come to the Lord's Supper, uh, I remind you of the fact that when uh, Christ instituted uh, this ordinance, he said that he was establishing uh, the new covenant. And I've shared many, many times with you, the easiest way uh, to look at that, to grasp that, is is to view the new covenant as the last will and testament of Jesus Christ uh, that was literally written in his blood. And in that last will and inheritance, uh, he guaranteed certain things to those that would put their trust in Jesus, that would come to him not on the basis of their works trying to earn his approval, uh, but for all of those who lean on him alone, uh, placing their faith in who he is, what he did for them through his death, burial, and resurrection. He promises, number one, what? Pardon from sin. He says, I'll remember your sins no more. He promises a a new heart that would hunger after God, a heart that would love the Lord. And then the third promise was his presence, that we would now become his uh, sanctuary. And I just want to amplify that a little bit from Hebrews 10. Uh, What I want us to look at is just four uh, wonderful, specific blessings uh, related or associated with the new covenant, but then in, in, in correspondence to that, what God asked us to do in response. In other words, this is what He has done for us in Christ. Now, what does He ask of us as we come to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? So, look at Hebrews t- chapter 10, and I'll begin by just reading Uh, verses 19, 20, 21, and just the very first phrase of verse 22. He says, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He, Jesus, inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, what? draw near. Let us draw near. Now, notice just in those verses, just four blessings that God has given every believer. You don't have to work to earn this. It is your rightful inheritance in Christ. It's what He's given you regardless of your performance. And number one is what? Access to God. Notice it talks about the fact that we can enter, verse 19, the holy place. So, as a result of what Christ did for us through His death, burial, and resurrection, as we come to the Lord's table, we have access to God. When it talks about entering the holy of holies, it's not just talking about our eternal home in heaven, but it's talking about the fact that we have access to Jesus Christ now 24-7 in good times and bad times, in victory and in failure, in righteousness and in sin. 
we have access to God. Remember in the Old Testament days, how often did they have direct access to the presence of God? How often did they have direct access into the Holy of Holies? Once a year on the Day of Atonement. And how many members from the children of Israel had that access? Only one, the high priest. So in the Old Testament, just one day out of every year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. But now we who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access, again, 24-7. 24-7. Notice the second blessing. Not only do we have access to His presence, but we have that access because we have boldness through what? Through the blood of Jesus. Not boldness through our efforts, again, to gain God's approval. Not through our efforts to gain access. But the boldness we have comes through what Christ's blood effected for us. And, of course, Christ's blood did what? It paid the penalty for our sin. It canceled out our sin debt before God. And now we are forgiven And because of that forgiveness through the blood, we have that access. So, first blessing is access to God, 24-7. Second blessing is boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at the third blessing. That is our rightful inheritance. We didn't do anything to win it, to earn it, to deserve it. It's just ours by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ. He says, verse 20, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And what is that new and living way? The Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but what? Through me. And notice it's a new and what? It's a living way. Now, think about that. Normally, when you follow a pathway, there's a a lot of Uh, energy that you have to exert to get yourself from point A to point B. But this is a living way. This is a way that provides the power, that provides the energy. I mean, almost think of a, of a, a moving sidewalk or something where you just get on and it takes you. And where does it take you? Into the presence of God. Again, into that holy of holies. And that was through Christ who bore our sins in his what? Body. And as he bore our sins in his body, what happened in the temple when he cried out, into thy hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Remember that veil was what? Rent from the top to the bottom. And that veil, what did that veil represent? It represented our sinful flesh that separated us from God. But Jesus, through his death on the cross, rent that veil, signifying what? Now the way to God is open. And we have access, free access. Again, not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. And then notice the fourth great blessing. When we come into his presence through the boldness of the blood, through that new and living way, we find ourselves coming face to face with what? A great high priest over the house of God. This is the best part. We're taken right to what? Jesus. To Jesus. And a Jesus who loves us. A Jesus who understands. Just look at a couple of 
cross-references. Look at over at uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verses 17 and 18. The last two verses in chapter 2. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, referring to Jesus, who took on the appearance of human flesh, that he might become a merciful, you might want to circle that, a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. That word propitiation means that through his death, he satisfied the wrath and the justice and the holiness of God towards us as sinners. He satisfied that so that now we can have access. For since he himself was tempted in that which he was suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Look over at Hebrews chapter 4. Look at the last three verses of Hebrews chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. That has the thought of the, uh, that he's been touched by our weakness. He's been moved by his weakness. In other words, when he looks at you in your weakness, and even in your worst moments, in your failure, he's touched by that. He's moved by that in your struggle with your sinful flesh. As a believer, he doesn't have that angry disposition towards you. No, because he took the punishment for you. Now he has nothing but love and sympathy, and a love and sympathy that motivates him to come to your side, to, to, to aid you in your struggle, in your battle. Because notice it says, the one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, let us therefore what draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. So again, going back to Hebrews 10, as we come to the Lord's table... As I've shared with you many times in the past, yes, we remember the past and what Jesus did for us. And we look forward to his coming in the future. But let's not forget, he's here. He's present. We have access to him through not our efforts, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. As we put our trust in Jesus who rent that veil gave us that access, and when we come, we come to a high priest who loves us, who cares for us, who sympathizes with us, and who desires to come to our aid. So those are four astounding blessings that are ours as believers. Amen? But notice as we continue in this passage, now he tells us, okay, that's what God has done for you. Now this is how you need to respond. You need to cooperate with God in this process to really make it your own so that you walk in it experientially. And so follow along with me. Again, verse 22, let us draw near with, what's the first thing? A what? Sincere heart. And notice how this corresponds to being able to have access to His presence. God says, you're a believer You have access to my presence 24-7. You have access to my presence in your victory and in your failure, in righteousness and sin. But I ask something of you. 
And that's you to come with a sincere heart. And what is a sincere heart? It's an honest heart. It is a transparent heart. In other words, I don't need ever again to fear being honest with God because God has already taken the punishment for my sin. And because he took the punishment of my sin that changed his total disposition towards me. Now he loves me as a father would love his child and even a wayward child. And so he says, you have access, but this is what I ask of you. Don't play games with me. Get honest with me. Get transparent with me. In other words, what would be the opposite of a sincere heart? Hypocrisy. Putting on a mask. And that's the biggest things that blocks believers for knowing the reality of God in their lives. Wearing masks. Not being willing to get real with God. To get real with one another. So so God is saying, the worst thing you can do, if you find yourself in a time of struggle, in a time of failure, a time of even denying me, the worst thing you can do is try to cover that up, hide that up. No, he says, get honest. You have access. All I ask is you come that you what? Confess it. That you acknowledge it. You acknowledge your struggle. You acknowledge, I'm not where I should be. And I can't get there in my own. And the only way I'm going to get there is through that new and living way that takes me there to a great and high priest who does have the power to come to my aid. But not only a sincere heart, look at the second thing. He says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Notice, in full assurance of what? Faith. And notice that corresponds to boldness in the blood. He says, you have access to my presence. Again, not on the basis of your efforts, but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your rightful inheritance as a believer. That's yours. Whether you realize it or not, it's yours. Okay, this is what I ask now. Okay, believe me. That's all he's saying. Believe me. Believe that. And come in the full assurance of faith. Now listen very, very carefully to this. This is a transformative truth right here. It's a a truth that has transformed my life. For for many years when when I looked at this matter of boldly coming, confidently coming into the presence of God, uh, I always associated that with a conscious feeling of confidence, like just a conscious feeling of boldness. And if I didn't have that conscious feeling, if I didn't feel bold, if I didn't feel confident, I found myself becoming very timid, that thought of being unworthy and almost shrinking back instead of going forward into His presence. And then I realized this has nothing to do with a conscious feeling of confidence. It is the right, it is the liberty of every believer. In other words, it's objective truth. It's not based on my feelings, my subjective feelings. You know, I'll be very honest with you. This morning, I don't feel... I'm, I'm extremely under the weather. I'm not feeling very well. And, and there are a lot of, some other things going on. And I'll be honest with you. I don't necessarily consciously feel real confident and real bold this morning. I, I sort of feel down and, and a little discouraged. But my feelings has nothing to do with this truth. This is my liberty. This is my right as a believer. This is the inheritance that Jesus gave to me. And God is saying, you honor me, Andy Merritt, by believing me regardless how you feel, and you come. You come with that sincere heart, 
you come with boldness. You come to secure what is rightfully yours in Jesus Christ. So come in the full assurance of faith. Look at the third thing that he mentions there. Not only in the full assurance of faith, but having our hearts what? Sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Now, folks, this is, a, 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 I believe, a beautiful truth. I think the truth here is Christ shed His blood, but we have to apply that blood to our failures and to our mistakes. Uh, you know, when the uh, high priest, who was a picture of what? Jesus Christ. When he went into the Holy of Holies on that Day of Atonement, do you know what he did in that Holy of Holies? He sprinkled the what? The blood of the sacrifice, signifying that it was, again, not on the basis of his righteousness that he was entering, but on the basis of what the sacrifice had accomplished for him. And it's the same with you and I. Look over at Hebrews chapter 12. Look at a great, great cross-reference on this point. I wish we had a little more time for this, but Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 24, verse 24, Hebrews 12, 24. It's talking about coming to the Lord and says, and we come to Jesus, notice the mediator of a new covenant, that's that last will and testament that uh, you have inherited in Christ. And notice it says, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of what? Abel. Now, what did Abel's blood speak? What did it speak? It speak judgment, condemnation, punishment. But in contrast, what does Christ's blood speak? Forgiveness. So what he's saying is, as you have access to God, as you come with boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ, that boldness, that, that blood has been sprinkled, and that sprinkled blood, it speaks. It speaks to God about you. And who you are in Christ. So here you are. And you're a sinner and you're struggling. And you may be failing right now as a believer. But that blood speaks for you. Forgiven. Debt canceled. Punishment satisfied. Righteous in Christ. Child of God. Beloved of God. And so as I come... With that sincere heart, as I come through that boldness of the blood, I need to apply that blood. Again, God, I acknowledge the stinking, lousy attitude that I've had recently. You know, God, God I acknowledge that I am bitter. I acknowledge that I have a, I'm unforgiving toward a particular individual, whatever it might be. I acknowledge... I fell into immorality. I, fell, I acknowledge that I, that I lie. I acknowledge that I'm living this moral life, but it all is a mask, and inside I'm dead. I'm cold towards you. You know, I acknowledge I have no passion for a lost world. It's all about me and about mine, and I have little thought of ministering and loving to others. See, you and then you sprinkle that blood, and, and that blood that speaks again of your forgiveness. And then notice the last thing that he mentions, going back to Hebrews 10. 
I'm to come with a sincere heart, an honest heart as I come to the Lord's table, taking the mask off, being totally transparent with God. I'm to come to the Lord's table with the full, full assurance of faith. Faith in what? What Christ's blood accomplished for me. Regardless of how I feel, and I'm to come applying that blood, applying His work to my life through confession and faith. And then notice the fourth thing, going back to Hebrews 10. Notice it says, not only are hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, but our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, and this takes us right back to our high priest, the only one that can provide purity. Let me give you a great example, of, I think, of what he's talking about. Turn over to John 13, and then we'll move right into enjoying the Lord's Supper. John 13. You remember on the occasion in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper? Remember there was no servant that was present to do the menial task of what? Washing the feet. And you remember the disciples began to argue about among themselves who's the greatest and who's going to have the privileged position at the, at the right hand of the Lord. So as, as, they're, as they're arguing, as they're squabbling, he just quietly gets up, doesn't say a word, takes his robe off, takes a towel, basin of water, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. The lowliest task that could possibly get, be given to an individual that was typically done by the lowliest of servants. And then notice, notice verse Eight, when he came to Peter. Well, go, go, go uh, look at verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And so he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, what I, uh, uh, do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me or, or no fellowship with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's saying... As a believer, yes, you're clean. But as we walk in this world, we what? We dirty our feet. We soil our feet. Will we all acknowledge that? Don't we all struggle at times with terrible attitudes, as we talked about earlier, with specific sins of the flesh? I mean, we go on and on. Not only sins of commission, but sins of omission. Things that we should do that we don't do. I mean, we could just go on and on. And so as we walk in this world, that is perverted, that is fallen, that is twisted, that is in rebellion. We get dirtied as believers. We develop soiled feet. And that's where we need to come to what? That high priest who what? Loves us like Jesus loved his disciples. And we come to him to wash us. 
to wash us pure, that through his purity we might know his power. Isn't this just a beautiful truth this morning as we come to the Lord's table? So again, to recap, four wonderful blessings that are yours if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's yours whether you realize it or not. It's yours whether you've ever enjoyed it or not. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It's your right. It's your liberty. And that is to have access to God 24-7. And you have that through boldness in the blood. You come by that new and living way through Jesus. Remember I've shared with you before. There are two words that distinguish Christianity from every other religion in the world. Remember what they are? Every other religion in the world says what? Do. Do this. Do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you can get into God. In Christianity, the word is what? Done. It's all been done for you. So you go that new and living way of Jesus. And then you come to that high priest who loves, who sympathizes, who cares. That's yours by inheritance. That's yours this morning. You have it. You possess it. May God open our eyes to see that is ours. And then God says, okay, but this is how you need to respond to this truth. This is how you need to reciprocate. This is what it requires for you experientially to know this. Okay, yes, you have access But I require that you come with a sincere heart, an honest heart, no hypocrisy. You take the mask off, you come just like you are, a sincere heart. And I'm asking you to come in the full assurance of faith. Again, not a conscious feeling of boldness, but just a realization, this is my rightful inheritance in Jesus Christ that cannot be denied me. And I'm going to put more value and worth in the blood of Jesus Christ than my own sin. And because of that high regard that God gave to the blood of Jesus, I'm going to come boldly. Knowing it secured for me what I could never secure for myself. And then I have to apply that blood. See that conscience again. Conscience is what? That's sort of the determines good and bad. It's what brings guilt to your life. And so where there's guilt, you need to apply the blood to that heart to know that cleansing of that evil conscience. And then the fourth thing related to the high priest, you let him wash you. You let him wash you. You let him wash your feet that have become soiled by mixing it up in this world, with those in this world, as we struggle. So as we come, I invite you to come with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith, having your evil conscience sprinkled and knowing your great high priest washing your feet. And you'll just enjoy him and his presence as you love him, as you worship him, for what this represents, who he is, and what he did for you. We're told on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after he had given thanks, we're told he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body given for you.
that body that bore your sins and once died, that veil that represented sinful flesh, what? Tore, indicating we have free access to the presence of God. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, who in his body bore our sins. Thank you for him who knew no sin, who became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And thank you that there on the cross of Christ, Jesus became guilty of all that we are, that all that we've done, all that we have failed to do, And he paid the penalty for us. He took our punishment as our substitute. And then that body rose again to offer life to all who will put their trust in him. So, Lord, again, as we shared a moment ago, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our spiritual eyes to see what is ours in Jesus Christ to see our rights, our liberties, and with a sincere heart and with the boldness of faith, we would come now to our high priest to enjoy what is rightfully ours and to let you enjoy what is rightfully yours, and that is us, because you died to possess us as your bride, to love and adore you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.